You are now listening to High Five the Podcast, a movie podcast where our hosts, Q and J, get together to rank movies, disagree about those rankings, and then play games to put back together the pieces of their shattered friendships. Let's join them now as they broadcast live from the writer's room. All right. Welcome back to the writer's room, Q. It, it feels comfy. Welcome. Oh. It's Welcome good to, to see you. you. You as well. It's been ages. It's been ages. We are here. We have our fire eater hot cinnamon liqueur with us. Delicious. We have our notes yes. here with us. Yes. B. Arthur is back looking, for another session. Looking beautiful as ever. <laughs> you are beguiling, yes. Miss Arthur. You are other bee adjectives as well. <laughs> so for episode two, what you and I wanted to do is we really wanted to dive in and answer the age-old question of which sequels are better than their predecessors. Let me go on record by saying that I think that our sequel episode will be better than the original. I think that's important because that's what our lists are about. Right. So sequels that are better than the original. Right. If we don't make our sequel better than the original, then yeah. what good are we, Q? None. Zero, None. zero good. So I'm going to ask you a question. Go for it. Should we high-five? Hell yeah, we should high-five. We should high-five. High five! Should we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. Are you ready to start this top five? I'm ready to start this This is a big one. Actually, this is one of the hardest questions because it comes up all the time. Anyone who's a movie fan, I think in some time in their life has talked about sequels that are better than their originals. And it's so hard. To make a sequel that's better than the original. It is hard. Although it would seem that you have more money, you have better access to actors, you have better access to bigger directors, and yet it seems such an insurmountable feat to make a sequel that's better than their original. Why do you think that is, Q? Um, I mean, my guess is the pressure, you know, the pressure to live up to something that came before. And, And I don't know about you, but for me, it's hard to do... An awesome thing twice. It is. It's hard to be awesome once. Right. So to be awesome twice is is huge. And for me, most of the time when I'm awesome once, it's completely by accident. Right. It it is accident for when you are awesome. Right. So to try to figure out how I was awesome and then recreate that, don't even think about it. Not even a chance. And you know, last week we talked about directorial debuts. So these don't necessarily have to be sequels made by the same director. They're just part of a series of films. Sure. Now, before we dive into my list, and yep. I've got a good one. Okay. So you should be scared. Me too. I am terrified. <laughs> you should be. But let's let's lay some ground rules because these always come up. Yeah. Trilogy films are allowed. Yeah, okay with it. Now, 10 years ago, if you'd asked me that question, trilogy, not allowed. Because Out. a trilogy was a set thing. But nowadays, everything's either a remake, a sequel, a right. reboot, a rebequel, or right. some sort of trilogy. A reboot so, <laughs> so if we have to eliminate trilogies, then pretty much any movie that's ever been made is out. So yeah, that is absolutely true. <laughs> for this, we're just talking about movies that followed an original film. Yes. That are better than that original film, whether that means financially, directorially, acting story, whatever. So I've got a good list. I'm sure that you do as well, and I want to dive right in. All right. Number five. Are you ready? Yes. You ready for number five? I am waiting with bated breath. Good. Well, I'm going to make you wait a little bit longer because before number five, there are some some honorable mentions, and I want to hear yours as well because there were a couple that didn't make my list. All right. And actually, one of them we mentioned in our last episode. All right. One of my honorable mentions, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. 
Such a good, fantastic sequel. movie. Now, when you hear the rest of my list, you'll understand why I didn't make the top five, but it's so good. Sure. Another one that I put on here, Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Doc Ock, yeah. one of the better superhero sequels ever made. But definitely not Spider-Man 3. No, definitely not. Because if the whole movie had been the emo dance sequence, then I'd have been into it. Well, that'd be a completely but, different you know, movie. If, if you just play that with a, like a background acoustic version of Dashboard Confessional, I'm, I'm golden. Ooh, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking fan edit. Yeah, I'm no, thinking like this that. could be a thing. I'm like, I'm let's, like that. If someone wants to do that and email it to us at my five at highfivethepodcast.com, I would love to please see make that. that happen. But either that, or what would be another great uh, the Get Up Kids or, or Sunny Day Real Estate? Ooh, yes. Yeah, add that into the emo <laughs> dancing. I love that. We're, we're I love good. It. I love it. Um, another honorable mention that. This one, I, I would be surprised that if it didn't end up on somebody's list somewhere. So if you're listening out there, this could be on your list. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, so true. How many people think of that as a sequel, though? So true. It's like a no, Christmas movie. None, because it appears to be a separate movie of its own. Right. But it is technically a third sequel. One hundred percent. I definitely. So those are some agree. of my honorable mentions. Did you I have any agree. that didn't make your list? That I were did. Close? I did. Hellboy Two. Oh, the Golden Army. Golden Army is a good one. Um, I also had uh, X Two. Okay. Yeah. X-Men 2. X, X-Men United. Okay. But mainly, I started to realize that um, when trying to make my list, uh, apparently every movie today is a superhero movie. Everyone. And especially when you're talking about sequels, you run into a whole bunch of superhero movies. And I didn't want my entire list to be made up of superhero movies. Could, there aren't enough good sequels to be made right. of superhero movies. So I, uh, I I purposefully knocked those off of my list. That is, that's acceptable. So speaking of lists, you want yeah. to hear my five? Yeah, please. Okay, please. number five. Yep. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, Khan! Khan! You have to have it in there. Obviously the follow-up to Star Trek, colon, the motion picture. Yep. So Star Trek II, colon, the Wrath of Khan. Sure. Um, also about Khan's colon. Colon, <laughs> yes. It wasn't about that, guy. No, it wasn't. Was, but in my head, that would have made it interesting. But it could have been. It could have been. Um, so, I mean, this is a fantastic sequel. I am not the biggest Star Trek guy in the world, but I have to acknowledge when a sequel does the right things. And this sequel it obviously has the memorable Khan scene. It has the fantastic death scenes at the end. Uh, it's really, really good. Some things that it's even more inspiring. Did you know that that movie is what inspired Steve Jobs to buy a section of Industrial Light and Magic that was responsible for the CGI effects in that movie? I did not know that. Later renamed to Pixar. Oh, so snap! without Khan, there is no Toy Story. There's no Toy Story 2. Ugh. There is no Inside Out, which is a fantastic movie. It is film. a fantastic movie. So, that, I mean, that was great. It introduced us to the wonderful career of Kirstie Alley. And it went on to make such fantastic films as uh, Look Who's Talking. And this TV show, Kirstie. Oh, my. <laughs> Ooh. That's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. And the opening scene is everybody dying. Yeah. Now, granted, it was a training exercise. Sure. But what sequel starts off killing the entire cast? It's a uh, fantastic one. It, I, I 100% agree. And I, I would, think it deserves to be number five on my list. I would normally refute that, but I'm actually going to use your number five as a launching pad for my number okay. five. What's your number five? Because thanks to your number five, my number five, via your tidbit of information, was made possible. Awesome. Because my number five is Toy Story 3. <laughs> that is a good one. All right. And I almost mentioned right. that. I'm so happy that I didn't know your list. So so Toy Story 3 for me, unlike The Wrath of Khan, 
it didn't begin with killing everyone, but it almost <laughs> ended with killing everyone, which blew my mind when I was sitting in the theater weeping like a baby. You want to know how good that movie is? When I watched it the first time and the scene came where they were holding hands and they were going down into the fiery pit of yep. doom, I sat to myself and I was like, yeah, I'm okay with this. Yeah, I was actually okay with it ending like that because of how good that film was. Let me tell you a little story about I was Story 3. Tell me right. stories. When I went to go see this movie in theaters and I purchased my ticket uh, behind a mother and her small child and I got up to the ticket taker and I said, one adult – Toy Story 3, please. And they looked at me, you know, like they would. <laughs> and I went into this movie, and I sat next to this woman and child, and I watched this movie, and I laughed, and I cried. And then it got to that point that you're talking about, where they're heading down the conveyor to certain doom. Certain doom. And I turned to that small child, and I said, hey, do you think they're really going to kill them? <laughs> I hope that you did. And that small child looked at me and said, mom, why is this stranger talking to me right now? And I said, hey, I don't really care about your opinion anyway, because I'm pretty sure they're going to kill these guys right now. But seriously, this movie for me was something that all of the Toy Story movies, as a huge fan of Pixar, all of the Toy Story movies kind of took us on this journey of these toys from, you know, being uh, Andy's most loved and prized possessions. And this movie took everything that we loved about the interactions of all these toys and it upped it to include things that we could reflect on in our own lives. I know that I went through this moment where I had to move on from these things that I loved. And I obviously didn't move very far because I'm a giant man-child, but I moved far enough that I could relate. And this movie hit home like no other. It really showed me what a well-written script about characters that you love that can really finish a story in what I think is one of the most poetic ways ever done. It brought the entire journey of these toys from being Andy's favorite toys as a child to him having to move on and pass them to another child when he went off to college. And it absolutely blew me away that these animated characters could captivate me as much as any actual physical actor ever. And so that is why it wholeheartedly earns a place at my top five. Okay. Yeah. I would agree with that totally. I love those films. I think that they're beautiful. It's wrapped in a beautiful message and a beautiful story. And I think it's it's great because it relates to my number four. So I'll right. go ahead and move on to my number Ooh, four. This is, I like the, how I this is working out. All right. So you'll see how much it relates. My number four, The Dark Knight. Ooh. You see how similar yeah. they are? Yeah. With the Almost with the an identical movie. They're pretty much remakes of each other, sure. a lot of people say. Sure. Uh, but obviously, The Dark Knight has to be on here. Yep. This is one of the best sequels ever. Two words, Heath Ledger. For all the flack that he got before that movie came out, his performance in it is spellbinding. Oh, absolutely. Who wins a posthumous Oscar for playing a villain in a superhero movie? No one. Heath Ledger. Oh, that's right. Right. Heath right. Ledger so does. You were wrong. Heath Ledger does. One person <laughs> yeah, one. did that, and one. it was Heath Ledger. One. Not only that, is it dealt with so many dark themes. Mm. Now every movie is Nolanized, if you will, yeah, made sure. darker. But it's because of the success of The Dark Knight. Right. And not only that is I love the pre-anticipation buildup. You remember when they released those videos, like those those clues beforehand of oh, I the do. terror, what was going on? The market 
marketing plan for that movie was brilliant. It obviously made a boo koodle uh, a lot of money sure. at the theater. But I just like that as word, a by film, the way, just boo koodles. Yeah, just boo koodles yeah. of mm-hmm. dough. Mm-hmm. But as a sequel, it built so much on what was established in Batman Begins yep. and moved so far beyond it, basically telling us a police state true crime story in the form of a superhero movie. Which is crazy. It, it, and it, it's never happened before. Nothing like that had ever been really attempted before, but because of the success of it and because of how realistic and gritty it influenced the darkening oh, of absolutely. other films like 007 franchise oh, got yeah. after that. Superman and Zack Snyder obviously took keys from it. And there's so many other franchises that really benefited and were inspired by Nolan's take on a gritty, dark, true superhero story that was based in real fear and real if you remember back then post 9-11 fear this was really oh, one of the first movies that dealt with definitely. the police, police state and terror after that had taken place this was a, a phenomenal release uh, and in the world of sequels it, it almost stands alone I 100% agree and you know what I'm not going to refute that at all right. because I think that movie is fantastic and definitely deserves a spot on your top 5 great what, what, I mean what's your number 4 so my number 4 is actually almost a complete retread of that movie in that it's the Evil Dead 2. Nice. Nice. Uh, you know, I hate that our number fours are almost like identical movies. <laughs> but some may even say that Evil Dead 2 is a better sequel to The Dark Knight. And they are the same characters. Yeah, they are exactly the same. Well, justified. Tell me, um, tell me why it's on your list. So The Evil Dead 2 did something that's kind of unheard of in sequel territory. It remade its original movie, but it also redefined its original movie. So when The Evil Dead came out, it was a straightforward horror film. It was gory, it was tense and scary, and it was made as a horror film. Very, very, very minimal comedy in that film. In the second movie, they took everything that worked in the first movie, and they introduced humor and some of the most iconic imagery that has been seen on screen. Yeah, I mean, sure did. When we say that Ash is a badass, I mean, he's a badass. He's badass. Okay, he has a chainsaw for one hand and a boomstick in the other. And it was something that I had never seen. I had never seen a sequel set out to be something so different than its predecessor and by the same director. So I was blown away by that. But it made me fall in love all over again with that movie. Yeah. Because, like I said, it put a great retread on the original film and then also took it in a whole different direction. So I loved it. You know, some of you may say it's super groovy. <laughs> it's super. It is. I'm, I, I can't refute that. You know that's one of my favorite movies. Um, I love the influence that it had later on. I love the career that it kind of helped spark sure. for Sam. Uh, it was just I mean, he fantastic. went on to make Spider-Man 3. Come on! Right! You know? With the Sunny Day Real Estate. I mean, right? oh my... Ugh! Man, no. without that one, that would have never been possible. Never would, never would have happened. So I like it. I'm glad you. I like can't it. refute that. I like it. It's I on think, my list. I think that deserves to be on the list. I don't think it should be refuted. Uh, so refuted. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna I'm, move on to number three. Do it. All right. Let's get into the meat of this list. The top right. three is the, where we live. The meat and potatoes, if you will. All right. Here we go. You ready? Yes, please. Number three. Yes. Terminator 2, colon, Judgment Day. Ugh, love it. One of the best sequels ever. Yes. Obviously, the, the follow-up to the Terminator. Tell me why you love it. Well, okay. First off, the one of the reasons I love it, can you honestly tell me that Arnold Schwarzenegger would have become governor of California without that movie? Absolutely, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 100% no. No, definitely 
I mean, that was his platform when he it, ran. It was. Yeah. I'll be back. Yeah. I'll be back. They called him the governor here, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, come on. They won a special effects Oscar. Yep. For an action movie. Fantastic. And then that chase scene. Oh my goodness, that chasing. Now, we could have an entire episode of me talking about how angry I was at the marketing campaign that gave away that Arnold Schwarzenegger was the good guy in that film. Yeah. Because the first half of that movie is edited in a way that's so beautiful to keep it a secret and to trick you with who the actual villain is that they gave it away before the film came out and it angered me. But taking that aside, one of the best sequels of all time, there's no way that it can be refuted that it's better than it's not better than the original. I agree, and I'm going to go ahead and say, in line with what you're saying, it actually just dawned on me as I'm listening to you, that movie is another movie that its sequel kind of reinvented itself. Sort of. You know what I mean? The first Terminator movie was kind of a straightforward, almost horror film. Bit. You know what I mean? It was, it was, a, it was a high concept it, sci-fi movie. It was, indeed. But with its sequel, it kind of changed the entire dynamic of the direction that the series would continue to go. So I'm not going to refute that. I'm going to agree with it, and I'm just going to say that we move on to the next one. Yeah. Pour yourself some liquor and tell me you're number three. Oh, I will. I'm pouring, and I'm drinking. So my number three is kind of familiar to you, I think. I feel like you might be a little acquainted with it in the sense that it is The Dark Knight. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Which, yes. May, which may have appeared earlier oh. on your list. I love it when my list shows up on your list. But it takes a higher notch for me because obviously I respect it a little bit more, okay? <laughs> You're nicer to it. Here's the deal. You know me. I'm a diehard Batman fan. Oh, yeah. Full life. I'm honestly surprised this isn't your number one. Full life. Well, I'll kind of tell you why. I'll tell you why and why not. It is on my list at number three because, for me, it is one of the quintessential Batman movies ever made. Hands down. I love Batman. I love everything that's been done with it. I love the Tim Burton years. I love the Schumacher years. Yes, I love the Schumacher years. I don't care what anybody else says. Well, Batman nipples should be a common phrase. I mean, Bat nipples is my Twitter handle. Go, go Bat nipples. <laughs> yeah, Bat nipples. Hashtag Bat nipples. Hashtag Bat nipples. So, kind of the big deal for me with The Dark Knight is everything that you said. I'm just going to kind of recap it briefly. But basically, Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker is an iconic cinematic moment in history. It will never be matched again. I'm going to go ahead and go on the record and say that. It is its own thing unto itself. And it was something that excited me as a Batman fan to see. Such an original and different take on the Joker that hadn't been seen on the page or the screen, really. I mean, it was kind of something that had never been done before. And they really went out on a limb with Heath Ledger casting, like you had mentioned before. I mean, it garnered a lot of hate beforehand. But it was something that really blew me away when I saw it on the screen. Secondly, I love the fact that it was now done with the origin story. Because the Batman origin story, for something for me, as a Batman fan, is something that I've seen so many times that I know it. Everybody knows it. If you don't know that Batman is an orphan and his parents were shot dead in an alleyway, you're probably not listening to Spoiler. this podcast. But the fact remains that it allowed Batman to really be Batman. It allowed him to stalk through Gotham City streets, attacking crime and corruption at its heart. But it also showed that Batman is not too different than the villains that he fights. And that's something that was huge for me. Batman is a victim of psychosis. He is someone who is equally as troubled by his past as some of these villains that he goes up against. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was one point that is a reason it's on my list as well, but I didn't bring up. What superhero movie, especially a superhero sequel, in with the superhero as the villain. 
None. Except for the Dark Knight. Yeah. yeah. Batman ending the movie in a place where he is loathed just doesn't happen. No, and it and it for me, it was one of those defining moments that I finally got to see one of my favorite characters realized to its fullest potential on screen. Now we can all say what we want about Christian Bale's <laughs> Batman voice. But the portrayal of that character in that way was something that had not been seen in any Batman movie before or frankly since. And right. still we have Batfleck to look forward to, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. And honestly, it's so influential, The Dark Knight was so influential on me, that I have resisted making any judgment on what Affleck can do with the role, because of how impressed and surprised I was by Heath Ledger. I'll be honest, I was one of the naysayers. Yeah. With Heath Ledger, before that movie came out, I was a huge naysayer, and I I ranted about it, and I made fun of him, and I was like, oh, he's on, you know, 10 things I hate about you, me, me, me. And when that movie came out, I was made, I was proven so wrong that now I can't make any prejudgment about a casting decision until I see the performance. And that is 100% influenced by that movie. Oh, absolutely. Let it speak for itself. And speaking of speaking for yourselves, please tell me what your next pick is. Okay. Well, my number two is definitely a part two, because from a sequel. Okay. The Godfather part two. I mean, you gotta have it on there. It's it's one of the most beautiful films uh, in cinematic history. Sure. It took a movie that is so iconic in The Godfather and the portrayals of that family, the Corleone family, and Al Pacino's performance, and Marlon Brando's performance. And then it told two parallel stories between Michael and Vito, and you get to introduce Robert De Niro. Sure. You get to introduce the larger cast of characters of the family. You get to see how their empire was built. You get to see how their empire is sustained. It's almost a perfect film from beginning to end, in my opinion. And while, yes, it can be argued whether or not it's technically better than the original, I like it better than the original. I think it is a bigger feat of a film. Now, when we talk about Godfather 3, we won't be talking about Godfather 3. Sure. But Godfather 2 as a sequel, far superior, and the amount of influence and the amount of hype that it had to overcome solidifies it easily in my number 2 spot. I agree. I say instead of the Godfather 3, we just insert Spider-Man 3. Okay. Yes. I feel like that should be kind of a running thing throughout our talk right now, is that Spider-Man 3 is basically the quintessential third movie Right. most of any franchises. trilogy that ever exists. Yeah. You know, Return of the King can't hold a candle to Spider-Man through. Honestly, what would have made The Godfather 2 better? Emo dancing. Ooh. <laughs> Al Pacino yeah. with a nice long cut bang just, just dancing walk, as walking his down way. the street to at the drive-in. Just giving great. gun fingers to everyone that passes by just like, hey. That would have made it so much better. But I it agree. didn't. So Godfather 2 wins. I agree. And you know what? I'm not going to refute yours either. And that is just pissing me off that I can't. But I like your pick. Yeah, I think it's one. okay. It made me an offer that I couldn't refuse, and I went with it. My number two pick, on the other hand, I'm going to say it sidesteps the Spider-Man 3 curse. I'm going to put something out there that may be highly disagreed upon. <laughs> okay. I love it, and I don't care. And that movie is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That is one of the greatest sequels ever made. You think it's better than Temple of Doom? You I think, think it's, it's better. Be- I think it's better than Temple of Doom. And I'll tell you why. Let me tell you why. Before you smack me down, let me tell you my I'm reason. We are given in this movie an opening sequence that solidifies Indiana Jones not only as an amazing character, but as a legend. It sets him up and shows to the audience everything. It gives us why he hates snakes. It even tells us why Harrison Ford has that crazy handsome scar on his chin. It tells us why he loves fedoras. In a way, it takes 
everything that made every one of the Indiana Jones movies, all two of them, before it. <laughs> and it gives it, you ready for this? Puns aplenty. Here we go. It ups it with sidecars full of charm, <laughs> whip smart humor, and death-defying action. Death-defying, because it's the Holy Grail. Uh-huh. All right, so... Also, it adds in Sean motherfucking Connery. All right? James Bond is Indiana Jones' dad. Yeah. Were you aware of that? I was. Did you know that? I did. Did you know that that was a thing? Also, it takes this character who, for the first two movies, is a pulpy, great, kind of throwback to the 1920s kind of adventure serials character. And it really defines his character. I feel like it gives his character that legendary status. It takes something that was began as a a nice adventure-going archaeologist teacher and turns it into something that is mythic. And for me, for a movie to do that, it definitely takes everything that came before (laughs) and elevates it. And that's what earns it the number two spot on my list. I was going to refute you. You convinced me. All right. Mainly because you used the phrase whip smart. <laughs> Thank you. That was what did it for me. I was gonna, I was gonna knock you down a couple pegs, but you used that phrase yep. and and you swayed me. I'll be honest, you swayed me into agreeing. Good because I mean the first one is so good. It is it has the melting face. It is. It's got the it nice- is. I'm just going to say, hold on, let me put out there into the ether that I got an amazing Christmas present from you this year. (laughs) That was great. In the form of a toad melting face candle. Which, uh, have you decided whether or not you're going to melt it yet? No. 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 I'm thinking about maybe doing halvesies. I like it. I like Maybe like melting one side and not the other. I like halvesies. Okay, well, I'll end with this. You've chosen wisely. Thank you. (laughs) Some may say only the penitent man (laughs) shall choose this wisely. (laughs) All right, you ready for my number one? Yes, lay it on me. I have a feeling. This is one that I think a lot of people will agree with. I don't really feel trepidation with this one, but Empire Strikes Back. For me, one gigantic Star Wars fan. Obviously, the new one felt like a Star Wars movie and reinvigorated my love, but I grew up with those films. I grew up watching those films. I grew up loving those films. And if you look at the the original trilogy, one that we will acknowledge the existence of, Empire is so good. It's such a dark, bold movie because it truly does what a sequel is supposed to do and I'll take this one a bit further sure. is it does what the middle film in a trilogy is supposed to do mm-hmm. is it takes the story but does not finish it and moves it into a place where you have to finish the story absolutely so if you think about it every character in that movie is in a worse place at the end of it than when it began there is no nice resolution there is no bow at the end Luke Skywalker's lost to Han and realized that Darth Vader is his father and one of the best reveals of all time which could be called the original spoiler. It's huge. And outside of that, you've got Han Solo encased in carbonite at the end of the film. Ridiculous. Leia, who has lost her love, basically. Mm -hmm. Lando, who's a traitor. C-3PO, who's been blown to hell. I mean, what other movie, what other sequel ends in such a dark place? I know we talked about Dark Knight ending in a dark place, but that's one character. That would also take, you know, Gordon being corrupt and all these other places. It's like landing in a terrible place. And it's just thematically, story structure-wise, acting-wise, Empire just overshadows everything, in my opinion. I I definitely think it is the best sequel of all time. But you also have a number one on your list 
So you know, we might yeah. we might have a discussion on our hands. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of hesitant to say my number one now because <laughs> you don't think it's good enough. Yeah, because. My number one is also Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> High five! So, I mean, yes. I cannot refute it in the sense that I agree with you wholeheartedly. It is the best sequel ever made Hands in up. the history of cinema. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Yo, 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 Yoda. <laughs> yo, yo, Yoda. <laughs> and the Al Yankovic song yeah. inspired by I mean, come on. Oh, come on. I mean, and Luke, I am your friend. Father. You're my father? Holy crap! No! It's a paternity. It's the original Maury paternity. Test. It is, it is. And we've come with the uh, results of this test, and it turns out that Darth is indeed your father. No! <laughs> I mean, for me, it was one of those, it shaped my childhood. Oh, I'm not going to lie. Yoda's explanation of the Force that it surrounds and binds us is something that still rings true in my head, that I still attempt to use the Force to this day. And one day, everyone's going to be shocked because I'm going to make something move. And Hopefully it's, it's because box. of the Force. I hope so. I mean, maybe, maybe it's the listenership to this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to do it using the Force. I would hope so. And, you know, to, to follow up with what you were saying, yeah, it shaped so much of, of my childhood. It was so great. But that explanation of the Force was so great. And then when when the original, well, when the new trilogy, the prequels, came out, and they tried to scientifically explain it. Oh, no. It was, I was so angry about that, but Empire Strikes Back was so good in its definition that it still upheld itself to me as canon outside oh, of the scientific explanation. I 100% agree. And on top of that, I mean, spoiler alert for The Force Awakens. They go back to that. They go back to which it. Which made it better. And they were like, no more metachlorians and how many Nonsense. are in your system, and that's what makes more you like powerful. It was like, you're mother effing space wizards. <laughs> you're space wizards. Space wizards. Love it. I and love I, that our number ones it. were the same. And I agree. And I just want to throw in there, too, the other things that made it great. Billy D. Billy D. I mean, come on. Being Lando Calrissian? Are you kidding me? Also, I love you. I know. That is carbonite cool. That is so amazingly awesome that it stuck with me. I have a tattoo on my skin. I have inked myself. Your skin. Permanently for that line. It, it's just mind-blowing. Yoda. Tiny, green, fragile Yoda. Lifting an X-Wing oh, out Frank of the Oz. swamp? Are you, ki- are you kidding How me? How you do that, Frank Oz? I'm telling you. It showed me the power of the Force. The Force was on display for the first time. In the first movie, they talked about the Force, and you saw Obi-Wan Kenobi's mind tricks. Right. And you were like, oh, that's cool. Right. That's a cool little parlor trick. Right. But Space you, orbs. Yeah. But you saw Yoda lift an X-Wing out of a Swamp using the force. It blew my mind. As a child, it captivated me yeah. that there was this thing out there, this force that could create such immense power out of some tiny, green, shriveled, raisin-like figure. It was amazing to me. And two words. Practical effects. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I'm I love glad that we agree I on love this. It, it makes me very happy. Alright, I've got top five. Starting with Toy Story 3, number four, Evil Dead 2, number three, The Dark Knight, number two, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, and number one, The Empire Strikes Back. That's such a good list. I'm gonna respond by giving you my five. Yeah, because please. Bring it on. 
I, I don't think we can compete. I just think we have to coalesce. I Number agree. five, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Yes, Khan! Number four, The Dark Knight. Number three, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Number two, The Godfather, colon, part two. And number one... The Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back. I'm glad that the Force brought us together. It brought us together. On that number one choice. I I love it. And now, as I can see, it looks like our Fire Eater is more than halfway empty. Mm -hmm. So now, it's time for a message from our sponsors. Bring it! Hey, have you ever wanted to belong to a fan club, but you didn't know which one? There are too many fan clubs. So join the club for too many fan clubs. You like fan clubs? You want to be part of fan clubs? You love fan clubs? Be a fan of the fan clubs. Well, originally, I was only in one fan club, but then I joined too many fan clubs, and it was like I had my choice of fan clubs. Yeah, I also became one of many fan club members, and now I'm just too overwhelmed to even think straight. I love fan clubs. I hate fan clubs. Too many fan clubs. Come on down. You remember, we're in the old building the mall used to be in next to the thing that used to be a Shoney's. The one where they shot the president. Not that president, the other president. The one that's not so cool. You know, because there's a fan club for that. Yeah, too many fan clubs. McJiminy's Star Wars Impersonators. We can do all your favorite voices. Mm, welcome to the Force, you will. I'm Chewbacca. Roar! Hey, I'm Han Solo. I'm too cool to do this advertisement. McJiminy's Star Wars Impersonators. You need a Leia for your party? You need a Luke for your luau? You need a Vader for your vivisection? Because we'll do Star Wars thing all up in it. We're out of this world. Well, you know you've got a problem when you've got to call Captain Buford's Gopher Patrol. Do you have gophers that are giving you problems? Do you have a regiment of critters? Do you have underground explosives ready to blow those little motherfuckers out of their holes? Do you have a stomach that can take take it? I love it. Come on down to Captain Buford's Gopher Patrol. We'll make sure them gophers stay the hell out of your yard. All right, and we're back from the commercial break. Welcome back to the writer's room, Q. Hey, I'm happy to be back. That is good. Well, as you know, this is the time where we have to wrap up by playing a game. Oh, no. And what that means is that we're down to the end of our cinnamon liqueur. So we have to take some shots, and we have to play the pitch. Ooh, okay, I like the first part of that, take some (laughs) shots. For any of our readers who aren't familiar with the pitch, this is a game that we play where we draw the name of a film out of a hat, and then draw the name of a genre out of a different hat, and we have to pitch that movie as that genre. For instance, we would have to pitch The Descent as an indie (laughs) rom-com. What? What? (laughs) That's crazy! That's crazy! So, that's how the game is played. Q, are you ready to find out what movie I am we're going to be pitching. so ready. All right, draw us a name. All right, give it a shake. A shake. little shaky shake here. All right. Your note shape brings on the voice of the yard. The movie that we will be pitching is going to be Big Mama's House. Fantastic. Fantastic. The classic. Yeah, the, the classic the, Big Mama's House. The classic Big Mama's House. They study this in classes. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> they, don't, they do? Yeah, they do. 
Well, now the second half of this, I have to draw a genre out of a hat, so I have it ready. Are you ready to see? I'm ready. We have to pitch Big Mama's House as (laughs) Disney animated film. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. All righty. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's get ready to pitch. Let's do it. Here's the pitch. Mr. Movie Producer Man, have we got a pitch for you? Okay, so you know how all kids love urban undercover police stories, right? Of course. Right. Okay. Of course. So, so that's what we have to do here. We've got this urban undercover police story where there's this character, uh-huh. drawn, a snowman, drawn beautifully by the Disney Animation oh, not Studio. A snowman. All right. Perfect. So he opens with this wonderful song about how he's down in the dumps with his police duties and what he's doing. Ooh, maybe getting ready to be bumped down to a beat cop, right? Right, 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 right. 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 Yeah, bumped yeah, down yeah. to beat cop is the opening number yeah. of this movie. And it's going to go a little something like, Oh, no, we're getting bumped down to beat cop. Do, 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 do. Right, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I like good. it. So yeah, it feels yeah. good. All right. And so the characters, he meets this wizard. Oh, And the right. wizard turns him into a big fat lady. Oh, and that's the next song. So then they have a song that's like, Hey, I'm a big fat lady now. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm a big fat lady. Right, right. And so then he meets this magical talking cricket who he calls his nephew. Oh, and then his nephew is all like, hey... You can't go around being a big fat lady when there's police cases to solve. And you're going into mama's it's, house. Yeah, and exactly. This is mama's exactly. house. But he's going to be a mom. Right, right. He's a big mama. Right, so he has to go undercover. Magically as, undercover. Right, as a large, overweight mother. Right? Singing Disney Perfect. songs. Right, because otherwise he's going to get knocked down to a beat cop by a sergeant. Right, he doesn't want that. And if you and just imagine this, all the songs written by Oingo Boingo. <laughs> oh my gosh, that this sounds brilliant! Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then I'm thinking, like, so they go to this house and they're setting up the stakeout, right? As this big fat mother character, right, right. And suddenly a murder happens. A murder? Yeah, most foul even. And so then they have to decide whether they want to continue on this magical mission that they're on, or they have to be willing to get knocked down to a B-cop status. Back down to B-cop. Right. And so then that's the next song. It's like, oh, I'm a back down to B-cop. This really sucks. Full circle. Right? So, we think Hollywood and America are ready for this. Yeah, they need this in their life. Directed by John Lasseter. Ooh, I like it. We could even do computer animation instead of hand-drawn. Greenlit. Boom. Next Hollywood blockbuster. Boom. You're welcome. And sadly, that brings us to the end of this week's High Five. As always, thanks to my co-host Jay, and to you, the High Fivers out there. We'll be back in two weeks with another list. But in the meantime, be sure to email us any of your lists or questions to myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. And as they say in the movies, that's a wrap. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happened to the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here. You made it to the end of the podcast. And guess what? There's a little something at the end of the credits. And for those of you that didn't make it, go five yourself. Coming this fall. You've seen Foursquare. You've seen 
ring around the rosy. But you haven't seen Hopscotch, the movie. It's not your mother's double dutch. It's your father's hopscotch. One man sets out on a quest to hop the scotch. All of it. (laughs) Colon, the movie. You've never seen it like this before. You'll be jumping out of your seat. You'll be terrified with the level of hop and or scotch. Coming this fall, rated R for graphic nudity and some teen partying. Yeah. Hopscotch the movie. Yeah, you should hire us, Mick Jimmy's. Come on down to Barb and Tammy's Bait and Tackle Bonanza and Treasury. Do you need bait? Do you need tackle? Do you need us to take care of your money? It's two ladies, Barb and Tammy, and they've got bait and tackle. And we'll keep your coins safe. It's a bonanza. And it's baitiful. (laughs) is the loud, outspoken lady of the ladies. And Tammy is the captain of the treasury. She likes golden girls in 60 minutes. Obviously. Come on down to Barb and Tammy's bait and tackle bananas and treasury. And keep your dollars safe while fishing for new money. (laughs) Hey, do you need your nipples repaired? How about some signs? Come on down to Ted Swine's nipple repair and signs. You know, you're standing too close to the, sometime, the, the stove sometimes, and your nipples go, woo! Have you ever had a nipple ring and that thing just gets yanked on out of there? Well, Tad Swines Nipple Repair and Signs is the place for you. I'm Tad Swines, and I give my guarantee that your nipple will be as good as new, or I give you my double nipple guarantee. And I'm not Tad Swine, but I'll tell you what, I'll make a side and showing you the way to Tad Swines. You need signs for your nipples? What about nipples for your signs? How about signs on your nipples? How about swines on your bipples? How about... Yeah. (laughs) Come on down to Tad Swines. That's me, nipple repairing signs. Tad Swines, also still not me.